From tragic events, hauntings, vampires, and murders, in this video, we'll look at another collection of 20 stories, videos, and photos that will most certainly chill you to the core. Remember, if you'd like us to go more in-depth on any of these 20 topics, then let us know in the comments section below. The Disappearance of Ben McDaniel 30-year-old Ben often went diving alone at the cave in Vortex Spring, Florida. In August 2010, he vanished. Specialist recovery divers thoroughly searched the cave, but they found no evidence of Ben. No body, no marks on the cave walls, no activity by aquatic scavengers, or any other evidence. There were many theories as to what happened, as Ben had had some recent setbacks in his life. He had most recently lost his younger brother. Was it possible that he committed suicide and squeezed himself into an inaccessible part of the cave so his body wouldn't be found? A private investigator who was hired by the family thought that Ben was killed on land and that the diving accident had been used to cover up a crime. Especially after the owner of Vortex Spring also died in mysterious circumstances. Arthur's Seat Doll A group of boys were chasing rabbits in Edinburgh in 1836. They found something spooky in a cave on Arthur's seat. There were 17 little coffins, each containing a tiny wooden doll, lying under three slate slabs. The dolls were intricately carved, and each wore a different handmade outfit. Why they were made, and who made them, remains a mystery to this day. Perhaps they were effigies made by witches, or possible protective charms placed there by sailors who believed that their wives could bury their image if they were lost at sea? Or were they put there to honour the 17 victims of the notorious body snatchers Burke and Hare? It seems unlikely, as 12 of their victims were women, and the little dolls are all dressed as men. The dolls are currently on display at the National Museum of Scotland, and their origin is still a mystery. Baby abduction. It's every parent's worst nightmare, the kidnapping of a child. While this family's nanny of an 11-year-old child faked her own pregnancy by holding a baby shower and wearing a fake belly. Then she got her cousin to sneak into her employee's house in Auckland, New Zealand and take the child so that she could pretend it was hers. All of this was captured on CCTV. Now watch how the woman sneaks into the house wearing a balaclava and snatches the baby. Luckily, police found the culprits, and the baby was returned to her parents, after what must have been the most frightening eight hours of their lives. The nanny was charged with kidnapping, criminal harassment, and burglary, and was jailed for three years. The Angel of Death, Beverly Allett Beverly Allett, or the Angel of Death as she became known, is one of Britain's most notorious female serial killers. Her crimes were all the more shocking as she was a nurse and befriended the parents of her victims before and after she took their young lives. From an early age, Alet, who was born in Grantham, England, showed signs of an attention disorder that included wearing dressings and casts over imaginary wounds. She also spent a considerable amount of time in hospital seeking medical attention for a string of false physical ailments. 
As an adult, she struggled with her weight and became increasingly attention-seeking. She was also known to self-harm and was later diagnosed with the attention disorder Munchausen syndrome by proxy. However, despite her obvious problems, she went on to train as a nurse and secured a temporary six-month contract at the Grantham and Kesteven Hospital in 1991, where she began work on Children's Ward 4. The hospital was chronically understaffed, so Alet was often left alone with the young patients. Not long after she started working at the hospital, seven-month-old Liam Taylor, who was admitted with a respiratory disorder, unexpectedly suffered cardiac arrest and died. Two weeks later, 11-year-old Timothy Hardwick also died, followed by two-month-old twin Becky Phillips. None of these children had been admitted with life-threatening ailments. In between these deaths, several other babies and young children had unexpected life-threatening medical episodes. The one thing all these patients had in common was that nurse Beverly Allett was in attendance, although initially no suspicion fell on her. However, her atrocious crimes were brought to an end with the death of 15-month-old Claire Peck, when tests revealed a high level of potassium in the baby's blood, as well as traces of lignocaine. Police were called to investigate, and the other suspicious cases were also looked into, and they found that inordinately high doses of insulin were found in most. In total, 13 victims were identified, four of whom were dead. The only common factor was the presence of Beverly Allett at every episode. In May 1993, Allett was found guilty of murdering four children, attempting to murder three others, and causing grievous bodily harm to a further six. She received 13 life sentences for her crimes, and is currently detained at Rampton Secure Hospital in Nottinghamshire, with little chance of ever being released. The Look of Hatred Joseph Goebbels was the Nazi propaganda minister. He was one of Adolf Hitler's closest and most devoted followers, and in a good mood at the League of Nations meeting in Geneva, Switzerland, in 1933. Life magazine photographer Alfred Eiselstedt was able to capture him relaxed and smiling at one point. But then Goebbels realised that the photographer was in fact a German-born Jew. His whole demeanour changed, his posture became stiff, and there was a palpable expression of hate on his face. The day after Hitler shot himself in 1945, Goebbels had his six children injected with morphine and then poisoned with cyanide capsules before he and his wife committed suicide. Years later, Albert spoke out about the photograph and how Goebbels looked up at him with an expression full of hate. BTK Strangler For 30 years, Boy Scout troop leader and church council president Dennis Rader fooled the world and his family into believing he was a respectable working man. But in reality, he had harboured vicious, murderous, sadistic thoughts since he was a teenager. And between 1974 and 1991, he killed and tortured 10 people in and around Wichita, Kansas. His first four victims were killed in one night when he broke into the home of the Atiro family murdering Joseph and Julie and their two children, aged 9 and 11. Over the next 17 years, Raider murdered another six people, pausing only briefly when his wife gave birth to their two children. 
During this time, he taunted the police by sending them letters signed BTK. He also kept gruesome mementos of his victims and photos of himself dressed in their underwear, reenacting how he killed them. However, eventually the letters he was sending were his downfall. When he sent one in floppy disk form, and through DNA, police were able to track it back to him. Rader was arrested on February 25th, 2005, and fully confessed to all 10 murders. Chillingly, he said to the police, there are a lot of lucky people, meaning that he had fully intended on killing more. The BTK killer was sentenced to 175 years in jail, without the possibility of parole. Now aged 77, he is currently incarcerated at El Dorado Correctional Facility. Namku Terrace Haunting This abandoned building in Hong Kong was used in World War II by Japanese soldiers to house comfort women who were local girls forced to be sex slaves. The girls were said to frequently disappear without a trace. Apparently, as many as 30 suicides have happened at the location and many bodies have been removed from the rooms and garden. The bloody ghosts of decapitated women have been seen and screaming is often heard. In 2003, Eight teenage girls spent the night there with an Ouija board. One of the girls supposedly became possessed and was unable to leave as the others fled. The police were called and had to restrain the girl who was said to have become so violent that it took two officers to control her. She and two other girls became so unhinged that they had to be taken for psychiatric treatment. E.J. Lane's shirt. In February 2012, 17-year-old Thomas Michael T.J. Lane used a pistol to kill three students and wound another two at Chardon High School in Ohio. He was captured and tried as an adult. He pleaded guilty to the charges against him of three counts of aggravated murder, two counts of attempted murder, and one count of felonious assault. At the hearing, he removed his shirt to reveal a white T with the word killer written across it. He then callously looked towards the victim's families and taunted them. He was sentenced to life without parole and only avoided the death penalty because he was 17 at the time of the murders. In 2004, he escaped from prison with another inmate, but he was quickly found hiding in a nearby woods. He is now housed in a maximum security prison, where he will hopefully stay for the rest of his life. The Aberfan Disaster On the morning of October 21st, 1966, the small Welsh mining village of Aberfan had seen three weeks of unprecedented rainfall. The spoil tip for the mine was on the mountainside above the village. The nearby colliery had run out of tipping space in the valley floor 50 years earlier, so seven tips were built on the hillside overlooking the village. At 9.15am, with a booming roar, 150,000 cubic meters of slurry began to slide down the mountain in an avalanche that engulfed and obliterated a farm, 20 houses, and Pentglass Junior School. A mound of debris to a height of 9 meters covered the area. In total, 116 children and 28 adults were killed, and it was, and still is, the worst mining disaster in British history.
the heart of Augusta Lagrange. In 2010, a strange item went up for auction on eBay. It was claimed to be the heart of a vampire, who was put down in 1912. It is said that Della Grange was responsible for the deaths of over 40 people in Louisiana during one of the USA's worst outbreaks of vampirism. After a bizarre spat of murders where the victims were found exsanguinated, two priests decided to investigate. The first was Catholic Father Henry Jant, the second was Moses Amashan from the voodoo religion. They hunted the killer and destroyed many of his minions along the way. Eventually, the two men found Delagrange, hidden deep in the Buju, in an isolated shack. Finding him asleep, John drove a stake through his heart and sent him to hell. His body was destroyed, but his heart and the stake that killed him supposedly still remain. The Kansas City Butcher Robert Bedella was born on January 31, 1949, in Sawyer Falls, Ohio. He had an unhappy childhood, and by the time he reached adolescence, he realized he was gay. In 1965, Bedella watched the film adaptation of the John Fowles novel The Collector. The plot of the movie revolves around a man abducting a young woman and holding her cap in his windowless basement, where eventually the woman dies. The film had a deep impact on Bedella and influenced how he treated his victims. Bedella's first victim was 19-year-old Jerry Howell, who he abducted on July 5th, 1984. He held Jerry in his home in 4315 Charlotte Street, Kansas City, Missouri, and subjected the young man to sickening torture and abuse until he died. Bedella then dragged his body to the basement, where he suspended it above a large cooking pot, making cuts in the flesh to allow the blood to drain from his corpse. The next day, he dismembered Howell's body and threw the bits out in the trash. This was a theme that continued with Bodella's next five victims, although the brutality of the abuse and length of captivity before death increased. Bardella was finally arrested after his last victim escaped, after three days of being held captive. When he managed to escape through a second floor window, wearing nothing except a dog collar around his neck, Police later searched Bardella's home and discovered a cavalcade of horrors. In a closet, they found a human skull as well as human vertebra. In the backyard, they discovered another human head buried in the ground, partially decomposed. In the basement, they found large barrels stained with blood, as well as the personal belongings of two missing people and a stack of Polaroid photos depicting men being sexually assaulted and tortured. They also found a stenographer's pad meticulously detailing the abduction, torture, and murder of six young men from around the area. Robert Bedella was quickly arrested and charged with the murders of six men. He accepted a deal where he pleaded guilty and revealed everything about the vile murders in exchange for life without parole, so avoiding the death penalty. He died of a heart attack while incarcerated at the Missouri State Penitentiary on October 8, 1992, at the age of 43. So ended the life of the Kansas City Butcher one of the most horrific serial killers in modern history. The Vela Incident The Vela satellite, which is designed and used for spotting nuclear tests, picked up a telltale double flash on the 22nd of November 1979. The flare of light bounced off Antarctica near to the Prince Edward Islands, 
and would signify that a 2.3 kiloton nuclear bomb had been detonated. But there has never been an official report as to what caused the incident, and the people charged with investigating the explosion insist that it was a malfunction in the equipment rather than a detonation. Any information about the event remains classified by the US government. A possible reason for the flash has been suggested that the signal could have been caused by a meteor hitting the satellite, although all of the previous 41 double flashes recorded by Velas were definitely made by nuclear weapon tests, causing most researchers today to agree that the flash was made by a nuclear test carried out jointly by Israel and South Africa. The Stalking of Bill and Dorothy Wacker Bill and Dorothy were an elderly couple who led a quiet life in the small town of Massillon, Ohio. One day in 1984, they came home to find the house that they had lived in peacefully for 48 years ransacked. This happened again shortly after, and a third time, with police unable to find the culprit. The campaign of terror had begun. Dorothy was attacked from behind and tied up in her home on two occasions. Random items were stolen, and strange notes were left around the property. The couple received frightening phone calls at all hours of the day and night. Sometimes there was silence, other times heavy breathing, and the worst calls were those with swearing and threats. The whackers changed their numbers several times, but still the callers kept coming. The stolen items started to reappear on the doorstep one by one. The harassment continued until the couple died within a year of each other in 2010, and the mystery of their stalker has never been solved. I don't like Mondays. Brenda Ann Spencer lived in San Carlo, in the San Carlo neighborhood of San Diego, California, in a house across the street from Grover Cleveland Elementary School. For a 16-year-old, she had a pretty miserable existence. She lived in virtual poverty with her alcoholic father after her parents split up and they slept on a single mattress on the living room floor. Despite it being known that Brenda struggled with her mental health and had suicidal thoughts, in 1978, her father brought her a gun for Christmas, a Ruger 10-22 semi-automatic .22 caliber rifle with a telescopic sight and 500 rounds of ammunition. Brenda later said, I asked for a radio and he bought me a gun. When asked why he might have done that, she answered, I felt like he wanted me to kill myself. On the morning of Monday, January 29th, 1979, Spencer began shooting randomly from her home at children who were waiting outside of Cleveland Elementary School while they waited for Principal Burton Rag to open the gates. Eight children were shot. Burton Rag, who was trying to help the children escape, was fatally wounded, along with custodian Mike Susher, who went to Rag's aid. A police officer was also injured during the incident. After firing 30 rounds of ammunition, Brenda barricaded herself in her home for nearly seven hours. During this time, she spoke to a journalist on the telephone, who asked why she had done it. Her reply was, I don't like Mondays. After threatening to leave the house shooting, Brenda eventually surrendered. Brenda was tried as an adult and pled guilty to two counts of murder and assault with a deadly weapon, and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. As of 2022, she remains incarcerated at the California Institution for Women. Despite repeated parole hearings, she has been successful in securing her release. The shootings were the inspiration for the song, I Don't Like Mondays, written by Bob Geldof, for his band, The Boomtown Rats. 
blissfully unaware. In 2004, tourists have travelled from all over the world to escape the winter chill and spend Christmas on the sun-soaked beaches of Thailand. On Boxing Day, at 7.59am, a huge 9.1 magnitude earthquake hit an undersea fault in the Indian Ocean, where two tectonic plates meet. It caused a massive column of water to be propelled towards the shores of Sumatra and Thailand, with 500 mile per hour waves. But it's this photograph that is the most chilling. As curious holiday makers went to play out on the beach and wondered why the waters were oddly receding, completely oblivious to their imminent deaths. Despite there being a delay of hours between the earthquake and the impact of the tsunami, everyone was taken by surprise. There were no early warning systems in the Indian Ocean that could have forewarned anyone living in the area. In just a few hours, 230,000 people were dead, making the Boxing Day tsunami the deadliest in recorded history. The Possession of Maria Tallarico The body of Giuseppe Pepe Veraldi was found under a bridge in Catanzaro, Italy in 1936. Police believed he had committed suicide, although his family disagreed. A teenager named Maria was walking under the bridge three years later when she collapsed and was carried home. When she woke, she spoke in a low, guttural voice and said her name was Pepe and demanded to speak to Giuseppe's mother. When Mrs. Veraldi arrived, she was amazed to hear Maria speak in her son's voice. Pepe said that his friends had beaten him to death and tossed him from the bridge into the water below. Mrs. Veraldi insisted that Pepe should stop possessing the poor girl immediately, and Maria awoke with no memory of the night's events. Nine years later, Mrs. Veraldi received a letter from one of her son's friends confessing that he had killed Pepe in a jealous rage over a woman. He said three other men had helped him. They were the three men that the possessed Maria had named. They were arrested by police and tried for murder. How had Maria known the truth about Pepe's killers? Had she really been possessed by the spirit of a murdered man? What do you think? The Kentucky Meat Shower In 1876, Mrs. Crouch was on her porch making soap when she started to see pieces of meat falling from the sky. Along with her husband, she believed it to be a sign from God. The chunks of red meat measured between two and four inches long and fell in a 50 to 100 yard area of Olympia Springs, Kentucky. Two men who tasted the meat thought that it was either deer or lamb. A local hunter said it was bear meat. A sample was sent to the Newark Scientific Association for analysis and it was identified as lung tissue coming from either a human infant or a horse. Apparently, the two have an almost identical structure. Other samples were identified as muscle and cartilage, but the exact type of meat was never discovered. The most popular theory was that vultures were startled into taking flight and regurgitated their food right over the Crouch's house. Nine days later, red corpuscles that had a vegetable appearance fell over the city of London. Killer Driller Not many of us expect our trusted dentist to be a contract killer, but that is exactly what respected dentist Dr. Glennon Engelman was. By day he fixed teeth for money, in his spare time he killed for the same reward. 
Engelman shot his first victim in 1958 as part of a scheme to collect insurance money. The man was married to Engelman's ex-wife, and together they pocketed his life insurance. The dentist went on to kill at least six more people, although police believe there were many more. Engelman was finally caught in 1980 after he placed a bomb under Sophie Barrera's car after she failed to pay dental fees she owed. Some of his victims were contract killings and others were insurance scams. He had several accomplices to his crimes, including his former wives, although one of his exes eventually helped to lead to his conviction. Engelman spent the rest of his life in prison. He was only convicted of two murders, but confessed to at least seven others. He died in 1999 from diabetes complications. The Glamour Girl Slayer Harvey Glapman was a warped serial killer who murdered women in the 1950s. He attracted them by posing as a photographer and lurking around modeling agencies in LA. He also posted Lonely Heart adverts in newspapers. When he found a hopeful model, he would take them back to his apartment, tie them up and sexually abuse them. After he had murdered them by strangulation, Glapman hid the bodies in the desert. He took photographs right up until the moment that he killed them. He was caught when he attempted to abduct at a rain vigil in 1958. A patrol woman saw them struggling at the side of the road. Lorraine would have been his fourth murder victim. Once arrested, Glapman confessed and led police to a toolbox containing the photos. Glapman was executed in the gas chamber of San Quentin in 1959. So that's it for this video. Thanks for watching, and as always, we'll see you in the next one.